0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vibrant Life Podcast. I am your host, Matt Wheeler, and today on the podcast, I get to catch up with a friend from my childhood and teen years, April Thomas. April and I grew up together, went to church together, went to school together, uh, but we haven't been in each other's lives in quite some time, and so today we get to catch up. And a great way to catch up is to talk about the release of her new book, Overcoming Childhood Cancer. In the decade plus since we've talked, April's life took a drastic turn when her four-year-old son Hudson was diagnosed with leukemia. In our conversation today, we're going to talk about the impact of hearing the doctor say those words and the pain of seeing her son go through something no one should ever have to go through. But we'll also see some key lessons that helped April and her family thrive through a difficult time. And this is where her story is going to intersect our story. The reality is you may not ever be in a situation like her having a child with cancer but you will have significant challenges come your way and the principles she shares in her book will point you and i towards thriving in any season of trauma grief pain and overwhelm april's story is one of the goodness of god even in the midst of the trial it's a story of the beauty of the church and how god has spurred us to certain disciplines will help us thrive no matter the context. We have a little bit of a delay in our audio, but even with that, I am confident that you will enjoy my conversation with my friend, April Thomas. April, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. Good to be here.
0: It is good to have you. It has been years and years since we've seen each other, so it's great to to finally connect uh, even uh, via Zoom. It's good to see you.
1: Absolutely. Good to see you too, man. Our our faith stories go way back together. We had the same back. kind of spiritual foundation growing up together at church. So, yeah. it's good to reconnect after
0: all these years. Absolutely. I I look back and I think how blessed we were. Um we were a part of two really good churches that that were really a blessing yeah. to our lives at different seasons of our lives. And so uh yeah, we're blessed. Absolutely. Okay, so I, I just finished your brand new book, Overcoming Childhood Cancer, where, where you share your story, the story that your family has gone through, where uh, your oldest son, Hudson, was diagnosed with leukemia uh, several years ago now. Uh, it was a three and a half year journey, if I remember correctly. And uh, you really mm-hmm. recount right. that, that story, but what I really loved is you really point people towards um, how they can thrive in the midst of their overwhelm. And uh, and so I'd love to talk about that, but before we dive into the book, take me back to March 31st, 2015, and how that day uh, changed the course of your life and, and really set your family's life on a completely different path. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, so 2015, that was back before our daughter Annabelle was born. So we were just a family of four. Hudson was four years old and Graham was two and, um, and life was pretty simple. We were kind of in that sweet spot of parenting, you know, everybody was sleeping through the night and the boys were best friends, you know, they just loved to be together. And I was really enjoying my role as a stay at home mom with, you know, two little boys, just, living life through their eyes, the wonder of childhood, and the days were slow, and man, we just, we spent our days playing in the dirt, and going with friends to the zoo, and story time at the library, and all of that good stuff, Um, and you know, I remember Hudson had been sick a lot that previous winter, even getting mono, which I guess was not all that common for someone his age and I've been really concerned about his pale color and even some bruising he was having but his pediatrician assured me everything was fine but then one day in March he started really complaining of leg pain and crying out but he was kind of a sensitive child so we just thought hey he's having growing pains Mm -hmm. but then on March 31st 2015 I went to pick him up from preschool And he cried and asked me to carry him to the car. And I'll never forget what his teacher said. She said, in 25 years of teaching, I've seen a lot of growing pains and I've never seen it look like this. Mm -hmm. Instantly in my heart, I knew something was really wrong. So I carried him out to the car. And by the time we got home, he didn't even want to be touched. He crawled on his hands and knees into the house. So Josh took him to the pediatrician while I stayed home with Graham, who was napping, and um, the pediatrician sent him on to the children's ER to have some more tests done, and Josh called me from the ER crying and just said, bad. And even though he didn't tell me at the time, as a nurse practitioner, medical provider, he looked at the labs, and he immediately thought cancer.
0: Yeah. He knew what was going on. So he
1: told me there, he did. Um, Even though it was kind of a different case, the way it developed, um, he knew enough looking at the labs that that, that was probably what was going on. And so he told me, you know, they're admitting him and, you know, you need to come up here. And um, so I, immediately called a couple friends who helped me one stayed with Graham one helped me pack my bag and drove me up to the hospital and we spent the next five days there where he underwent lots of testing and procedures he had some other things going on with his gut that were not related that caused him a lot of pain so they had to treat that and that kind of confused things But by the end, um, the last day we were there was Good Friday.
0: Hmm.
1: And they had done a bone marrow biopsy to rule out leukemia or lymphoma. And so a pediatric oncologist came and visited us with us and said, well, the preliminary pathology um, looks like it could be leukemia, but we're not fully convinced. So, since Hudson is stable, if you'd like to go home over the Easter weekend and be with family, you can come back on Tuesday and we'll give you the final, wow, um, you know, final report. And, you know, the timing of the Easter holiday was not lost on us. It, you know, it was, was just the, it was really a gift to remind us of the the power of the resurrection. Wow. Of our Lord and Savior that, you know, um, we went home that weekend and on Saturday, I remember kneeling at our bed together, Josh and I, my husband, we kneeled at the end of our bed and we prayed as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, that if God was willing, that he would take this cup of suffering from us. But that, if that was not the best, his best, that he would help us to glorify him and to keep our eyes on him. Um, and obviously we wanted, we wanted the final pathology to come back and say, you know what? It's not right. cancer. Absolutely. It was just a virus. Yeah. Um, but we trusted God and he enabled us to wow. trust him. He wow. gave us the faith for that moment. So when we went back the following Tuesday, they said, yes, Hudson has B cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Wow. And really from that day, our lives completely changed. They essentially handed us a road map. For the next three and a half years of our life, that entailed several different phases of chemo that Hudson would have. Um, It started with the most intense um, everyday um, trips to the clinic, the oncology clinic, hospital stays and that sort of thing. And then as the years went by, it was less often, but it involved oral chemo. IV chemo, Mm -hmm. and then what's called IT or intracecal chemo that they would insert through a lumbar puncture into his cerebrospinal fluid because leukemia likes to hide out in the brain. So they had had to treat, put chemo in his brain. Um, And then he also had to take high-dose steroids that were... As a sensitive kid, they were really, really hard on him. That was really the hardest part of the treatment. He had them the first 30 days and then every four weeks for about three years, he had five days of steroids Um, and he had a very severe reaction to them. Um, Like at one point we had to hide the kitchen knives because he became so angry and aggressive. Um, So, you know, Immediately, they they said he needs to stop going to preschool, stop playing soccer. He can't, at least for a little while, can't play in the dirt or go to the zoo because his immune system would become weakened and he would um, be exposed to opportunistic infections. And um, so life changed for him, but it really changed for all of us, including Graham, who was as I mentioned, just two at the time. We tried to keep his life as normal as possible with the help of grandparents so he wouldn't have to stay the night at the hospital or spend all his time at the clinic. Uh, They would keep him, or we would. Josh and I would take turns. Um, But it was stressful. And, you know, we tried our best to keep the stress out of the home, and and God was good throughout all that time. But, you know, it was still stressful, and all oh. of us were affected. Life life changed for all of us. Wow, take me take me back a little
0: bit, um, kind of behind the curtain, if you will, of what's the emotional impact when you hear the word leukemia um, as a mama. What's what's going through your mind, and maybe um, that, but also seeing Hudson endure those steroids, seeing him endure the the pain. What. What toll did that take on you personally?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, well, from the first minute I heard the, the word leukemia, it felt like, you know, the world just stopped. Yeah. Um, I think I was in shock. Uh, I remember I just stopped really hearing what the doctor said. Um, it was like, you know, Charlie Brown, wah, 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 mm-hmm. wah, wah. wah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah. the room blurred and it's, It felt like all the blood just rushed from my body, and I just thought, this can't really be happening. But at the same time, at the same time, I felt the hands of God wrap around me and hold me and strengthen me for the task. And I think it's that way with anything you face in parenting it's like, well, we have to do this, so we're going to do this. And God's going to help us do this one day at a time. But, um, you know, there was suffering involved. It it was, there were, there were really hard days where, Mm -hmm. um, I felt like everyone else's lives are moving on and ours have stopped. Like Hudson's childhood has been stolen from him. Mm -hmm. Um, why you know we wanted to play in the dirt we wanted to go to the zoo we wanted to we didn't want to miss mother's tea at preschool and those things and it was hard there were some days where it was hard not to just be consumed by the moment Mm -hmm. and to see the big picture which now you know obviously looking back is is easier to see life did move on and get better um but yeah it was it was really hard
0: so with with a little bit of hindsight you've you've written this book um, and really it is kind of the, the, the subtext is lessons from a mom whose family learned to thrive during her son's greatest battle um, Why did you want to write this book? Uh, why, why now? why is this something you wanted to be um, kind of broadcasting as this is my story and, and I want to put this out there yeah.
1: Good question uh, an interesting answer actually so but yeah. I can remember um, enjoying writing as far back as Second grade, but I really haven't done much writing since graduating college. Um, although I enjoy the process of writing and even find it cathartic, I've never, I've never been a consistent journaler or anything like that. It's almost like I prefer to have an audience, especially if I have something. To encouraging or inspiring to say. But when Hudson was in his cancer battle, I did a lot of writing to update our support network and really enjoyed it and had people encourage me to write a book someday. But as you may know, since you've written a book, only about 3% of people who want to write a book ever actually do. And yeah, then sure. only one. Percent actually publish their book, yeah. so um, it may never have happened were it not for this publishing class that I'm taking. Okay, and in this class, um, they encouraged us to do this seven day challenge, where in seven days we go through every step of publishing a book from right creating the title, the book cover. Writing the content, wow. you know, typesetting and actually publishing it for purchase. So they said, you know, it should be like a mini book on something you could talk about in your sleep. And I was like, well, I could write these mini chapters on things that we learned, lessons that we learned that helped us to thrive during Hudson's Battle. So really that's how the book was born.
0: I love that. I love, uh, one of the things that I love is that, that you're you're striving to um, maybe get better in another area of life that hasn't been a part of your story. And so taking a class, that's pretty cool. Uh, taking a publishing class, very cool. Yeah,
1: that's, yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: That's one of the perks of, uh, of being a saved, pastor. You know,
1: my desire...
0: Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Just just wanting to be a lifelong learner. That's what I was gonna say.
0: No, I love that. Uh, one of the perks of being a pastor is, is that I write all the time, every Sunday, whether I want to or not. I have to write, uh, and so it it kind of allowed that 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 norm to continue past college. Uh, and so, if if I'm not writing at all between college and now, that's that's a tough rhythm to get back into. And so, it's impressive. I like it. Well, thank
1: you, thank
0: you. So, I as I as I read through your book, uh, there's several of those key lessons that I want to hit on, and. And most of them don't just apply to moms whose child are going through cancer. Uh, they apply to to trauma. They right. apply to grief. Even how you described um, how the world kept going and and you had to miss out on that, that, mm-hmm. that describes grief in a lot of ways. You know, people are just kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just laying on the, the couch or sitting on the bed and the world is moving a thousand miles an hour and they're stuck in the mud. Um, and so what I really saw from your book are, are different principles that can help us no matter what we're going through in life. And so the first one that I want yeah. to hit on is uh, you talk about gratitude and you, you started to allude to part of that chapter uh, where you're going through some major trauma. You're seeing things, you're struggling, um, you're seeing your son go through this hard time. You and Josh are, are having to navigate navigate this as a married couple and as individuals but you, you talk about intentional gratitude, uh, that you, you were making mm-hmm. an effort in the midst of this to verbalize what you were grateful for. And so my question is, why did you do that? And, and kind of the, the second question mm-hmm. is how did you balance gratitude with the realities of grieving? Cause you were grieving, you're grieving that your son didn't get to have the childhood that you thought he was going to have. And so how do you balance gratitude and, and grief?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Gratitude was what kept the grief from swallowing us up. Okay. Because, yeah, as, as you mentioned, grief is there. That is, um, that's a natural human response. It's a, You can't avoid it in, in trauma, in something like childhood cancer. You are going to grieve. Um, but the reason I started the book with gratitude was because that was huge and it continues to be to this day. I still keep a gratitude journal because it has been life changing for me. And, um, you know, I know you're going to talk about support networks, but one of the things, one of my friends did for me was to give me this. Journal. Right at the very beginning, she gave me just a blank journal. Said mm-hmm. "joy" on the front, and she said, "I I would like for you to write down three things every day that you're thankful for." And um, I can't even remember how I responded to that gift, but I did it. I started it, and um, instantly found it to be extremely helpful. Because um, I think it's easy when you're grazing to just give into it. Um, and the more you give into it, the more you sink deep into a pit and you just can't get out. But what gratitude did for me, um, and I think it does for others, is it allowed me to see the good that was there. Yeah. It changed my perspective and my lens. Um And it didn't even have to be something profound. It could be, I'm grateful for this cup of coffee. It tastes really good in a form. You know, I'm so thankful. Like right now, it's fall. Those leaves are turning and it's really beautiful. And it just makes you feel good. Um, And the more you intend to be, you know, the more intentional you are to be grateful the more things you see and notice that are good. And the more you start to speak about what's good. And um, and then it, it affects others around you. And so it was just, it was huge. It was really powerful. It was a simple exercise um, that had a profound impact on my day to day. It was one thing I could do that would actually uh, make me feel better, even just, on a really hard day.
0: I just feel that's applicable to nearly everybody, uh, whether it's significant trauma, mm-hmm. significant issues we're going through, or we're just in a funk, we're just in a pit of our right. own, is is being intentional. I think you said three things Three things today that I am thankful for, that I'm grateful for. Uh, I think it, it, it changes our heart posture a little bit. It, it forces us to see that... Uh, life is tough, but God is still good, and he's still paying attention. And And so I love hearing that
1: Absolutely. As,
0: as you're reaffirming that truth every day, you're seeing the impact of that truth on your life. Uh, and And you kind of made Absolutely. a comment that, that other people are seeing that happen as well in your life. It, it's one thing, if I'm struggling in life, and then— um, a mama with uh, a child with leukemia is expressing gratitude. It's like, wow, wow! I have, mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. got to, I've got to address this. I have some things I have to be grateful for too, uh, and so I think that's a that's an encouragement to a lot of people uh, in in many seasons of life. And so, you see it the same way?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I totally agree. And you know, it's like once you get started, um, there are just things that. It's easy to take for granted, but when you're expressing your gratitude, it actually helps you to notice those things. Oh, yeah, it did happen today. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. And it just, it just creates a more positive environment wherever you are, at home, at work, just in your mind. It's, like it's a great practice for everybody, I think. I have – see if I can – Find it here. I have a,
0: It's not. It's not like a gratitude journal. It's this. Uh, it's a five-year memory book. A five-year journal where each day, uh, each day there's like a line that you can fill in. This is what happened on October twenty-fifth, and you have have spaces for five years. And and there, it's not just things that I'm grateful for that I share on there, but uh, but also struggles. But the cool thing is that that you see. That God has worked, has God God has moved, and God has remained faithful. And so, whether that's um, writing down, I'm so thankful for this person. I'm so thankful for this, or looking back three years in the past, seeing God has brought me through that season. Um, I, I think it does something to us. And so, I think the the important thing of if we're if we're listening, and we're we're in a pit is a very practical way to get out of that pit is to express gratitude. And so I'm thankful that you highlighted that in your book. As we uh, as we keep going, uh, I, I want to kind of look at, at another thing that you spoke of, and you kind of addressed this a, a second ago. Uh, you had a strong support network. Uh, you had people that that really, really cared about you. Uh, we see this in other areas of life. We've addressed this on the the podcast already. Uh, but tell me how how important it was to have uh, people around you investing in you, uh, pouring into you. How that impacted you and Josh in, in your marriage, but also the the entire family.
1: It was everything. It was huge. Uh, I'm so thankful that at this point we had been um, at Redeemer, our church, for years. We'd been engaged and involved, and so we were. We knew and were known. Um, and so they all just flooded in the minute Hudson got sick from, you know, the first days of the hospital, or even before that, like I mentioned, from taking Graham and take walking, you know, driving me to the hospital. And even this is just crazy. I just remembered this today. I didn't put it in my book. Um, the day, March 31st that we talked about 2015, um, when I got home, from picking up Hudson at preschool and he was at the pediatrician's office and Graham was napping. I got a text from my mentor, Margie Scruggs. Um, She is older than our parents, Um, but she, she's been instrumental in my life, a spiritual mentor. Um, She texted me, I left something on your door. She had no idea what was going on with Hudson, Mm. Um, had not known about his leg pain or anything. She dropped off this devotional, Streams in the Desert. Oh, wow. And she wrote, uh, Precious April, this devotional book has supplied words filled with the resurrection power of Jesus' life. It's taken any challenge or discouragement and presented them through a different lens altogether. I pray you will find it offers you that perspective that elevates the hardship to worship with much love, Margie. The entire thing is about hardship and how we can see Christ in it. How it can help lift us up out of that place um, and see purpose. And I can't tell you how many times I got exactly what I needed for the day reading this. How um, it just seemed to line up with the the suffering and the struggles we were facing and um you know God knew Margie didn't know what that how much yeah. I was going to need this but God knew and the very day the, the timing is too coincidental it's too for much it not of a coincidence yeah it is and there are countless stories like that and how you can see the holy spirit moving an individual um Prompting them to meet our needs before we have them, um, or just in time, and their obedience blessed not only us, but it blessed them too. And I think that's when the body of Christ is um, is working as intended. It to we that's what's happening. We're meeting each other's needs we're being the hands and feet of Christ and in each other's lives and in our community. So for us, I mean, it was, people made us countless meals. Mm-hmm. Um, they visited us at the hospital. They sat with us through chemo. We had um, one friend park in the, hospital parking lot of the children's hospital and pray over Hudson and all the patients. We had people park outside of our home, uh, outside of our home at one point. I know this is, this really isn't part of the story, but our daughter was born when Hudson was in cancer treatment and she began having seizures. Um, She has epilepsy. And so people said that the Thomas family is going through it a lot and they need, extra prayer and we're going to pray in proximity 24 hours uh, not 24 hours a day but one person every day for two weeks parked outside of our home and prayed over us and her seizures stopped wow um so many things that our support network did for us they just listened when we were struggling they sat with us they cried with us they prayed with and for us and you know, if you have someone in your life who is struggling, there there are two things that you can, there's so many things you can do. Um, but two things that are extremely helpful is just to be present with them. You don't have to give advice. You don't have to share scripture. Just be with them. Be present and listen. They did that for us. And then they prayed for us. And we felt their prayers. We felt strengthened. We felt the peace that passes understanding. We had what we needed internally and we could tell it was, it was because people were praying because we weren't always spiritually strong from day to day yeah. for three and a half years, as you know. Um, but that's where our people lifted us up. I mean, like, um, you know, Moses's arms were held yes. up by Aaron and Wow. who else? Wow. Uh- <laughs> you know the story. That- yeah, that's
0: what well, people did
1: for us. Wow. So, I, I see, and many um, things that I'm not probably
0: thinking of. I, I, yeah, I can only imagine. There's there's a few things that that I see in in that account. Of one, you highlight this simplicity of of being there for people. Sometimes, you know, if we have a friend who's going through something we've never gone through, whether it's a death or a sickness in the family or something traumatic. Uh, we think, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to say, you know, and, and a lot of times, right. as I'm sure you probably experienced a time or two, a lot of times people say really stupid things uh, because they don't know what yes. to say. <laughs> so right. uh, I, I think what you Me highlight, I yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, what you highlight is, is just sit there, just, just be there, mm-hmm. uh, just pray mm-hmm. for them. Uh, that's something we can all do. Uh, and so I think it's something really important. But there's another element that I want to I want to dive into for a second. Um, you, it caught my attention. You said uh, my mentor brought that that devotional. Um, as I hear of of the importance that community plays in in our everyday lives, no matter what we're going through, uh, I am convinced that uh, community is a discipline. Uh, that it's it's something that it takes intentionality. We don't just s- typically uh, stumble into God-centered community uh, we we have to seek mm-hmm. it out and we have to be intentional with it um, how do you see a community as as intentional of you know because maybe somebody's here uh, they're, they're listening and and they don't have that they don't have a strong sense of community when it comes to uh, church or something like that do you see uh, do you see the the idea of community as a discipline something that takes like, this mentor yeah. relationship, at some level, you had to be a part of this and say, "I want this," or "I want to receive yes. this." Um, I decided I'm going to go to Redeemer Church. I'm going to make that commitment. Right. And so, how do you see that connection right. of community and and spiritual discipline?
1: Absolutely, it that's it's huge because you can go you can go to church and not experience community. Uh, we've sure. all been there. Um, when you were new at a church, you can just show up sit there for an hour and then leave and never connect with anybody, never become known or know others. And so for us, that looked like getting plugged in um, and staying plugged in, staying connected over the years. And then with time, it just gets richer and richer. We, you know, in addition to serving in different places in our church, we put ourselves out there to be in a life group, a small group, wow. um, which we've now been in for eight years. And as a whole, these poor families have been through a lot of stuff. Um, and we've walked with each other through births and diagnoses and in you know, a loss of parents and all of those things. And we've taken turns, taking care of each other and holding each other up. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a Sunday afternoon every other week that we could be doing other things, napping right. or, you know, yes. watching football or whatever, yeah. kids' soccer. Um, but we've committed to to this these relationships, this small group. And it's, that's been huge. And then the, you know, mentorship, that actually stemmed from a ministry at our church called Mentoring Moms, mm. where um, more experienced moms signed up to be mentors. And then younger moms signed up to be mentored. And wow. I met Margie when Hudson was six months old. That's when we started. Okay. And we've had you know a relationship since. Um, and so if I had said, you know, no thanks, that sounds a little uncomfortable or yeah. I don't need it or whatever. Um, I was missed out on so much. She has impacted my life in ways that I just can't Man. put to words. So you got to, you got to put yourself out there and get plugged in. I see
0: it as um, how easy it would have been in your, your season of life to pull away from community of, of, we're too tired Mm -hmm. to, to be invested in these people. Mm -hmm. uh, And, and you would have been robbed of overwhelming blessing uh, that, that even when, when life is difficult, we still uh we still invest. I had the conversation literally last night with my daughter. She's 14. Uh and and we were talking about uh, tomorrow's when, or tonight is Wednesday night. She's just she's a freshman in high school. She has so much homework. Mm-hmm. She's so overwhelmed with all the things to do and she made a comment of um, I just wish we didn't have church tomorrow night. Uh I just have too much to get done, mm-hmm. which is totally understandable. Like of course she's going to make that right. comment. But it provided me an opportunity to kind of lean into community as a discipline. And, and one of the things that we want to do is, is not allow ourselves reasons. Now, there's going to be legitimate reasons, but, but reasons that we can control that take us away from that community. That even when we're overwhelmed, we lean in. Uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and we create mm-hmm. that discipline. And so, you know, highlighting it to her, just so you know, you got three hours in between school and church. I bet you can do your homework in three hours, uh, is, <laughs> is we want to develop that, that rhythm young of yeah. community is something yes. we're going to need come down the line. It's not just a matter of us investing. Absolutely. It, 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 it bears fruit in our own life. And so I, I love that you highlight that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so um, one thing that you wrote that caught my attention, it was literally like, huh, uh, this is something I want to talk about. You, you write, it's easy to get caught up in the whirlwind of cancer treatment and just react to the here and now, but you've got to hold on to hope that your child will survive. And if they do, then they have to have a future that needs thinking about. This, this picture that you highlight of, of seeing Hudson going through what he's going through and you guys still being intentional, we're raising a boy that is going to one mm-hmm. day be a man and and balancing the short-term with the long-term. Um, how did you do that? Why, why is that something you you felt led to do? Because it would be so easy. I mean, your baby boy's going through a whole lot. Like, yes, you can have that extra candy. Okay, I, it under, I understand why you're mouthing off a little bit, uh, but you're trying to form right. a long-term young man uh, what was that balance like? I, I just found that very interesting.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I I don't know. I, I think I just have to give credit to the Holy Spirit in the discernment there um, to think long term. Uh, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe we were exposed to some kids that were a little further down the road that had kind of been um Tampered and spoiled to a degree that yeah. it really showed up in the clinic, um, but you know, it's it's not to say that we didn't give extra grace. I think the situations, you know, there were days that called for extra understanding and grace, sure. like when Hudson was on steroids. We knew to a certain degree, you know, four year old with this medication could not help it. Mm-hmm. And we had to insulate him and, you know, create boundaries that would keep him safe and others safe. But um, but there were times that he just didn't feel good. And he might have like, as a four-year-old, wanted to tell the nurse that, you know, her needles were poopy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we had to say, but we need to be kind. You know, you can't yeah. talk that way. Um, and so... Yeah, I think it took it. It took some discipline, and it took um, some wisdom to know what what do I need to correct, and what do I need to let go in this moment, um, because you kind of have to play out the scenario. What if? What if I don't discipline for the next three and a half years, yeah. and I allow? X behavior to continue and to like put down roots and mm-hmm. you know in his personality and his character, then what am I going to end up with? What is my end result going to be? If you can play it out in that way, um, then you go. That's not that's not what I want for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I want him to be. He's a good man in training, yeah. and. You know, just like you're training for anything, you you've got to put in. You know, you got to make some hard choices sometimes.
0: No, I, you got to say no sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so our our youngest is um, he's five now. When he was four, uh, we found out that he was he was deaf in his right ear, uh, and so uh, wow. we we go through we we find out by uh, when the vacuum was on he would just cover one ear or there was a 4th of July and he's just covering one ear when it was loud. And like, that's kind of weird. And so we wow. go and we find out he is completely deaf in his right ear. And so wow. we have to to come to a difficult decision of, uh, do we pursue a cochlear implant? Uh, or do we mm-hmm. just let let this be? And, and that's a long story of kind of how we decided. Ultimately, we decided for uh, him to have a, a single-sided implant, like he has a cochlear implant on his right ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a similar, obviously very different, but similar. You see your your son go through surgery. You know, he's four. He's just mm-hmm. a little tiny thing. Yeah. He's got this big old thing yeah. on his ear for a week. and And how easy it is um, when we see our children go through things, uh, you do want to allow some sure. extra grace that is overwhelmingly important. Uh, mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. just allow them to get away with everything because they're going through stuff. Um, you just, right. just the, the conversation that kind of spurred, uh, that I was telling you about with my daughter, like she's going through some stuff and, and that's going to be life. Yeah. And so as we, as we parent, right. we're, I love how you, you you worded it. I forget the exact language you used, but you we're training up future adults. You know, like we're, we're – we're, mm-hmm. this is a reality with parenting. And so even if our child is going through something, of course we have uh, some extra grace. But we really – parenting is a long-term play. Uh, it's not a short-term solution. It it's long-term. And, uh, I, and I love yeah. that even in the midst of overwhelm, you and Josh were were intentional with that. I think that's a bless that that is a blessing to Hudson's life, whether he thought it was in the a, a, at that time or not. Uh, and so, I like that.
1: Absolutely, you know, real one one particular season stands out um, the most uh, as an illustration of this. When he was in first grade, it was his last year of cancer treatment, and and um, chemo made reading. It made learning really hard, the, sure. in particular, the chemo to his brain. And so he was delayed in learning to read and also had some gross motor skill issues. And so he would go to school and then he would come home and we'd work for two hours on on homework, on yeah. reading. Yeah. And we signed up for a study. um called integrative listening systems that basically he would have these headphones in and they would play this, this classical music that had certain frequencies that was supposed wow. to, um, it did, it did some work in his brain. And at the same time, he would be doing activities that would use okay. both sides of his body and, um, across the midline, he would stand on a balance board and hit this tennis ball and, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't want to do it. He yeah. wanted to come home and play. He'd been at school sure. a day. He was in chemo, you know. And um, we did it. We it took such discipline, but it was like this is what he needs right now. Yes, this is going to help him in the future. And um, boy, it was a hard season, but we got through it, and it didn't last forever.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes and it was in the, worth it in the short term. In the short term, parenting can be so overwhelming. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard the phrase: mm-hmm. the um, the days are long, but the years are short. Uh, when it comes to parenting, of yeah. the day, oh my gosh, like it would have been so much easier for you. Like that was adding something to your plate, and you were already overwhelmed. Yeah. And these days are so long, yeah. but this training period that we have is so short, uh, and so being highly intentional with that is mm-hmm. is crucial to their their development, and so. Um, well, I want to I want to yeah. kind of uh, end with uh, a question that you've you've been addressing this whole time, but I want to kind of bring it to a concise close. Is uh, how did your faith impact how you've navigated the past several years? Tell me tell me the the role that Jesus Christ played in your life when you are hearing that word leukemia, when you are seeing him struggle, when I can only imagine. Um, the marital strain that would, that something like this would cause. Um, tell me how your faith got you through this difficult season.
1: So, um, gosh, that is such a loaded question because yeah. it impacted it in so many ways. I mean, it determined the perspective that I had. Um, you know, there, There's a verse in James um, that was huge for us during that whole time. And in particular, when we were given, um, given an option on Hudson's treatment, you know, I mentioned the steroids were really difficult. And we signed him up for a clinical trial that science would be able to use his data to determine whether or not the current leukemia treatment or the leukemia treatment at the time was um, necessary if it needed to be, if it could be shorter. Okay. Um, and we were randomly assigned basically the longest, hardest treatment arm, including the steroids. And oh, wow. um, we were, pre- we prayed before, there's literally like a lottery and you're, Wow. assigned your child is assigned this particular treatment and we prayed you know god direct it for what he needs and um but we could have at any point gone this is too much but um i read this verse in james verses two through four in the message and i printed it out because it's i really like the way that it's worded and it says consider it a sheer gift friends When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. So you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Wow. So that's loaded. Um, It's layered. I think... We were under pressure, um, such pressure, such stress at times, and it did show us our faith. It showed us how how we really felt about God. It It taught me to look at God as my father, and I was like a dependent child who came to him so needy, just like our kids do to us. Um, before they grow up and become independent, they need us for everything. And that's the way I felt towards God. And I learned that that's exactly where he wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. He wanted to provide for my every need. He wanted that relationship and interaction with me. And when I did go to him, I got maybe not what I always wanted, but what I really needed. Um, And That was encouraging to me to see like this showed me my own faith that, yes, I truly believe that God is real. He is who he says he is. He can be trusted. He makes a difference in my life from day to day. And then not only that, like the verse talks about this is doing something for me Mm -hmm. and in me. This is going to grow me. And develop me. It's going to make me mature and complete, not lacking in any way. Um, not to say that now I'm done and I'm not lacking. I'm still <laughs> right. in process. Yeah, but it 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 did a lot for me. It um it gave more than it took, and I know that's really strange to say. And I almost wouldn't say that to someone who is not a believer. Who's just gotten a leukemia diagnosis? Diagnosis, but um, when you submit your suffering to Christ, um, he can make it give more than it takes. And you know the math doesn't add up; it doesn't make sense. I can't explain it, and I don't have all the answers. But God is good, and. Even if he allows hardship to come into your life, if you walk with him and you trust him, he can make he can turn it into good for you. Um, and so that's what that's what happened for us. You know, there's there's so many there's so many different ways that I have experienced scripture since then. Where before I would read it and I would get it up here, I would get it in my head, but not necessarily always completely connect with it, it emotionally. But man, when you walk through cancer, you open up the Bible and you read, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You, you're you like, the Holy Spirit inside yes. is like going, Yes! Yep. Yes! That's what you're experiencing. That's a true promise. Or in Isaiah when he says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. When I read that, I thought, that's me. I am with young. Yes, I'm carrying my young, and he is carrying me. We are his sheep, and he is our shepherd. So, you know, to answer your question, our faith, it just changed everything for us.
0: What I, what I hear, kind of that, that passage in James, um, how we see that lived out, is it sounds like your faith, even maybe how you would describe your own faith, is very different than it was before March uh, in, in 2015. Uh, it looks different. It's been sharpened. Yeah. It's been refined. It's been compressed. And, and, and you mm-hmm. see that with, um, with the perspective you now have, uh, that, that in, in hindsight, it's often. I don't know if you know, know the song uh, "Goodness of God." It's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's. I love that song because every time we play it at church or I hear it on the radio, I, my mind goes to the hard times. It goes yeah. to the really, really difficult times of my life, and and how I can just proclaim that truth mm-hmm. that even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of overwhelm, God is so good. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. I I love that that you highlight that uh, because those hard times are forming us. They are shaping us. And so uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. And so last question, how are things now? Give us an update of how Hudson's doing and kind of where you guys are as a family.
1: Yeah, so Hudson is now 12 years old. He's about to be 13 on December 1st. So what I didn't say was after That three-and-a-half-year period, he rang the bell, you know, to signify the end of chemo. And then there's a five-year period of remission where, you know, the cancer could come back. And so we had to go to the hospital once a month for the first year for labs to make sure everything looked good. And then the second year, every other month, and the third year, every third month, and so on. And so really just a few months ago, Back in June, no, actually it was August, August, he had his last checkup and was declared officially cancer free. So, um, that's fantastic. It is, it is. Um, and he is, he's doing great in school. You know, they, they talked about all the late effects of chemo, how it could affect his ability to learn. And, um, he's. You know, making straight A's. He's in middle school now. Um, he loves the Lord and loves to share his story. It's it's interesting because kind of his thing, his activity that he has fallen in love with, um, besides band, is Ninja Warrior. We have a gym nice. close to our house. You know, like the show American yeah, Ninja Warrior. Yeah, yeah. Um, he loves the optical training and he has just made it onto an elite competition team. And, um, his, he would love to be on the show to make it to the junior, you know, American Ninja Warrior junior. And he says it's because he wants to tell everyone, um, his story that he is a cancer survivor and that no matter what you're facing in life, with God's help, you can do big things and you can overcome. And so I love that. I love that he wants to to talk about that and talk about God and, and he's been a part of his story. And, um, and then Graham is 10 and Annabelle is six. And, you know, they are, I think everyone is doing pretty well. Um, Graham and Annabelle have their own health struggles. I mentioned Annabelle's epilepsy. Yeah, Um, her she's mostly mostly seizure free um, on medication. Although she did have uh, an ambulance ride back in May. Okay, had a bit of a scare, Um, but she's doing well. And then uh, Graham, he has he has pandas. um, Pediatric acute uh, neuropsychiatric. Disorder associated with streptococcus. It's an, a neuroimmune disorder. Wow. Um, that's been, uh, that's our current struggle. Hmm. And, you know, he he's had a lot of healing and a lot of help. But he's currently having a flare right now. So all of this is really fresh. And yeah. we have to, you mentioned remembering what God has done in the past yeah. and his goodness and faithfulness. Yeah. That's what we're doing right now yes. to get us through our current struggles. Um, and you know, that's just kind of like, like, you know, it's not one and done and then the rest of life is easy. But mm-hmm. what I'm encouraged by, um, is that this is not the end of our story. Yeah. Today is not the end of our story. Our story, um, ends in heaven where there's no more suffering. There's no more childhood illness, shame, crying, um, and that, you know, our hope is not in an outcome. Our hope is not in um, an easy, carefree life today or healthy children or um, any of those things. But our hope is in a person, and that's Jesus and, and in an eternity with him. And so that, that's where I try it. That's what I try to remember and keep my eyes on um, and keep writing in that gratitude journal to remember the many, many good things.
0: I love it. April, thanks for uh, for sharing your story. How do, we, how do we get this book, Overcoming Childhood Cancer? How do we go about finding that?
1: It's available on Amazon. So if you just Google, or not Google, but if you put in Overcoming Childhood Cancer in the search box, it'll take you right to it. Excellent. And I'm working on turning it into an audio book because people going through that, it's easier to listen while you're holding laundry or on your way to the hospital or whatever. So that's what I hope to do next.
0: It's going to be an encouragement to a whole lot of people, Uh, even people, like I said earlier, that this isn't their exact story. There's so much to glean from it of just uh, if we're going through a difficult time. And so, April, thanks for hanging out with me for a little bit. Good to catch up with you and uh, just uh, just praying blessings on your family.
1: Thank you so much. It was really good to see you, and, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you.
0: April is a blessing to everyone she meets. Uh, I hope you were encouraged by her testimony, and I hope you're able to take away some practical lessons that will help you thrive in your faith. For me, the intentionality and gratitude and the importance of seeking community, those things that she shared, that greatly challenged me to ensure that I have those two disciplines as a part of my life. If you're interested in her book, Overcoming Childhood Cancer, or you know someone that might be, uh, we're going to have a link in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. It's a very practical resource that really can help you thrive during difficult times. It's a short read, but loaded with great content. As always, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Vibrant Life Podcast. Uh, We're working hard to bring you interviews that challenge you, inspire you, and highlight the goodness of God in the midst of, of good and difficult stories. Everyone has a story, and that includes you, and so I look forward to continuing interviewing different people and hearing stories that might impact our story. As you're going through your busy day, maybe you're working out, maybe you're driving, maybe you're just walking along the road right now, remember No matter who you are or where you're at in life, a vibrant life is possible. We'll see you next time.